Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. We join Pastor Rob in progress as he teaches on why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and even as I, as I pray, I, I understand, you know, we could, we could, I could be really, you know, condemned or feel real bad about, about things or maybe lack involvement or, you know, we, you know, this church here, we've been here for, you know, 50 years and our numbers have gone up and our numbers have gone down and they've gone up and they've gone down and, and here we are about the same size, new faces. And Lord, we want to see a move of God. Who, is anyone tired of status quo? Right? You know, I mean, yeah, but it's real easy to just get in that status quo living and just being part. It's real easy to get swept up in the normal stuff of life. And there is a lot of normal stuff with a capital S of life. You know, just, ah, oh, the stuff that goes on. But God has something more for us. And thank God that He is in control. Thank God that no matter what's going on in the world, what's going on in this country, what's coming down the pike for this country, if anyone's been keeping their eyes on the news and watching the caucuses and all that, watching these things like, oh my goodness, who will be the next president of these United States? And what does that mean for us? You know, talking to different people, I think everyone's kind of going, well, I don't want that one, and I don't want that one, but I want that one less than that one. And, you know, and what's really, really going to happen? You know, the Bible talks about those that are in, in charge or in control of a government. He says that there is every leader has been a put there and allowed to be put there by God. And right there, if you're like me, I have a hard time with that. I mean, I, I absolutely, this is a confession. My immediate first one, and this is me, you might think of somebody else. I went, every leader of every country in the world has been allowed to be Hitler. God allows people to be in positions of leadership sometimes to bring judgment. See, we read that scripture and we think it's, oh, because God loves us and he's going to put someone good there. Sometimes he allows it to happen to bring judgment. Sometimes he allows it to happen so people will return to him. So I'm looking at all these thoughts and like, you know, our next leader could be someone who will really make us finally cry out to say, God, we need you. We don't need a Democrat or Republican. We need Jesus Christ. And it goes right along in the very beginning. You know, God told his people, Israel, he says, you don't need a king. I am your king. And they looked around and says, no, all the other nations have a king. We want a king too. Give us a king. Give us a king. And so he says, you got it. And what is that old Toyota? You asked for it. You got it, Toyota. <laughs> and he gave them what they asked for. You know, and then Saul comes and he looked the part and they, it wasn't what they needed. It wasn't that they needed. And so, you know, of course, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a president. We're not going to do a revolt. And this thing goes out on the Internet and so he's going for, a, you know, anarchy. But in the midst of us living in the world, in the country that we live in, our king needs to be Jesus. Our hope, our faith needs to be in him, not in what's happening around us. Because as, we're, as all of us are realizing that the confidence level of the United States, of what may be coming, is shaky. I mean, who is really confident that in five years, things are just going to be peachy keen rosy in this nation? You know, we're kind of, ooh, what? You know, I mean, we're, we're looking. And just, we don't know. It could, it could have another swing. We don't know what, what time God has for us. 
But we need to be focused on Him and, and really putting all of our faith and trust in Him. And maybe we're not that different than what was happening at the beginning of Acts. At the time when Jesus came, you know, the children of Israel, the, the, the people of Israel, they were living under the rule and reign of Rome. Now, they were kind of an independent, you know, semi-independent country living under the, the authority of Rome, and they did not want that. They wanted to be free, completely independent. They were waiting for the Messiah, the King, to come and liberate them, and, and a number of people thought it was going to be Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he's talked about, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, they said, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? Because they were thinking power was equal to revolt and gaining our independence back. They were having the wrong idea looking at Jesus to save them politically rather than looking at Jesus to save them spiritually. We're guilty often of the same things right here in this nation. We're looking and going, well, do I want Cruz or I want Trump or I want Rubio or, you know, Sanders or Clinton. We're, are we really looking at a political savior to come and fix this? Well, that could happen, but above and beyond, if, if somebody could come and do something with this nation, and some people says that we're just beyond the point of, of no return. You know, that, that there's going to have to be a major shift. I don't know. I'm not a political analyst. But what I, what I do know is that what we need more than somebody to come in and save this nation politically or economically, we need to keep our eyes on the one who saves us spiritually. This isn't our permanent home. Now, we've got a long way to go, and, and I've got little kids. You know, for years, though, people are going, boy, I don't know if I want to bring kids into this world. And it, you, wow, we're going to raise kids. And I think what, what the world is going to look like in 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years for them. But my hope has to go to Christ. He's the only answer. So how do we navigate this? Well, let's go to the book of Acts. Because if we're not much different than what was happening there, what was their answer? See, they had a religious system. And still today, you know, we are predominantly a Christian nation. I don't care when you see the news. They're, not, they're trying to sway things to make it sound like we're not a Christian nation anymore. We are still radically a predominantly Christian nation in this country. And they were a very religious people in Israel. They needed more than their religion. They loved God. They served God. They did the religious thing. But they needed Jesus. But Jesus himself knew that just having Jesus wasn't enough. And that's why he says, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you orphans, is what he said. I'm going to go away, and the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, wait. After everything was done, he was crucified. He rose from the dead. He was about to ascend. He says, wait until you're endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you. Then you'll be my witnesses. He was telling us in the book of Acts that what we needed more than salvation alone. Now, salvation is the most important thing. But he says, in addition to salvation, you cannot walk this life out without the Holy Spirit. Go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going really slow in the book of Acts. I think we've been in the first four verses for a few weeks. And we're only going to probably, you know... We're, we're, we'll get down to 14 in reading today, 
But we're going to talk just about uh, some of the other things here. It says, So the beginning, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. I'm going to stop real quick. They had already been praying and waiting for about 10 days. That's a long time to be in a prayer meeting. I mean, 10 days in a prayer meeting is like 10 years if you've ever been to a prayer meeting because we don't know how to pray for more than a couple minutes at a time. And then it says suddenly. I love that. I love it. You know what that is? It's wait, 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 be discouraged, question, wait, wonder, question some more, wait, 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 wait. Suddenly, that's what God does to us. We live our lives, we pray, we get discouraged, we have all these things, and then all of a sudden, suddenly, God shows up. And we go, you took a while. (laughs) He says, but he knows when to come. Tongues as a fire, and one sat upon some of them. Oh, each of them. And they were all filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it goes on in verse 5 through 14, and it says, we're not going to read the whole thing, it says, There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look at all these who speak, aren't they Galileans? And then it goes on and lists all the places they're from, which is, helps us understand there's a lot of, of people groups with a lot of different languages and dialects present at the meeting. And what did they hear? Verse 11 says, They hear proclaiming in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So the Holy Spirit falls down because they're waiting, seeking because Jesus told them. In fact, he didn't just suggest, hey guys, it might be wise of you to get filled with the Holy Spirit before you go off and try to be my disciples. Because the purpose of Jesus coming, you know, Jesus did not come so that we could feel good about ourselves. Jesus did not come to give us our best life today. He came that we might be saved. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give us life and life abundantly. One of the byproducts is walking in Christ, being full of the Holy Spirit, is your best life today. Not because situations are great, but because you know who you are in Christ. That God has made you more than a conqueror. That He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. That He gave you a new home, understanding that no matter how good or bad this place is, We have a home that's better than this place could ever be. And so understanding that and walking in that and being full of the Holy Spirit in power, giving us life, that is the best life for today. But he came to give us life, spiritual life. That's the point of Jesus coming. And so when he was talking to the disciples saying, listen, you're supposed to, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone, not just Jews. He, he says everyone. He wants the gospel to be preached to everyone so that they can have eternal life. But you can't do it on your own. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And when we finally see the Holy Spirit being poured down, and if, if, you, if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to listen to last week's message. It talks about who the Holy Spirit is. And, and so I'm not going to go there. Listen online. 
So he says, you're going to send you the Holy Spirit. You're going to be endued with power. So we read in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and things change. One of the signs that the Holy Spirit has come upon your life and on my life is that things better change in my life. In fact, one of the terms for, the, for being filled with the Holy Spirit that's used is baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a term that we use a lot, that you were baptized. You go, well, what does that mean? For us, baptism is you, just, you get dunked, and how is that? Well, when you get dunked, the word baptism means to dip, to immerse. They would use the word to dye a garment. When you dye a garment, it's changed forever. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you are being immersed in the Holy Spirit and your life should be changed. And the very first thing that we see is them being changed. They're out, they're now filled with power and they start speaking in other languages. That is nuts. Plain and simple. People who read the Bible who are skeptical go, I don't even understand it. How could that possibly be? 14 different people groups, languages, at least represented on that. A few years ago, we talked about this, and we had a fun little experiment. I asked everyone who spoke a different language to just begin to speak that language. And if it was English, that was fine. And we had somebody speaking Norwegian, and we had Spanish. I think we might have had French and German that day in English. And everyone started talking. And then I quieted us all down. And there's only about this, this many people in here, maybe 60, 60 or 70. And I says, who understood anything? And it was like, I didn't understand a thing. You had 120 people speaking at the same time, 14 different languages, and everyone heard an understandable word from God? That's nuts! But the Holy Spirit came and did something. Now, was the miracle in the speaking or in the hearing? I don't know. I, I, I lean towards the hearing. It says that each one heard in their own language. But, the, the, but the, the point is there was a miracle of God and the people were changed. Then what we're going to, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later, is that the next part, it's starting in verse uh, 14, it says Peter's sermon. And he goes and he preaches a sermon that's simple, truthful, full of anointing. Now, if you're new in the church, you go, what does that word mean? Anointing would be under the power of God. That's not just words. It's that, that moment that you've heard a message, maybe you've heard something on TV and something from a preacher and something grabbed you and just changed and rocked your world. That's not because they said great words. That's because there was an anointing, God touching the words. God's anointing is upon Peter and his words. And it says that 3,000 people get saved from this word that Peter preached. Then shortly after this, you find uh, Peter and John going into the temple, healing people, and then Peter preaching in the temple and talking about Jesus. And not only does he talk about Jesus, he looks at all the leaders and then says, yeah, this Jesus, you remember the guy you killed? He rose from the dead. He is the Lord. It basically, if you don't get saved, if you don't accept him, you don't have life. Let's rewind a little bit, just about 40 or 50 days. And what was Peter saying? Jesus? Never heard of him. What happened? Simple. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. He didn't have a change of opinion. Peter followed Christ. Peter, right before he denied Christ, says, Jesus, I'll follow you. And I mean, he's the one who pulls out the sword and hacks off the guy's ear. He, he knew who Jesus was. 
When Jesus said, who, who, do, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of God. It wasn't that he was wishy-washy in his opinion. It was that he was scared and frail and human, just like you, just like me. And the difference was when he waited and prayed for the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came, his life was changed. And he was filled with not greater knowledge, not with just a zeal. He was actually filled with God himself bringing power. Is that what we need? I am so done with status quo and just doing the same thing over. We need the Spirit of God. We don't need a better program. We don't need a great children's check-in system and the hall being painted thanks to Pat. Those things are fine, right? You know, but that's not what we need. What we need is the Holy Spirit empowering us in our lives. So all these other things, they're fine. We can do them. We can not do them. But if we do them without the Holy Spirit, it's just, it's just useless. But with the Holy Spirit, your life will be different. My life will be different. He's going to give us power. Power for what? Well, one, to witness. Power to, to live a godly life. Power that we can actually say no to ungodliness. Power that we can walk away from sin. You've been struggling with a sin in your life? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let Him have control of your life. Don't quench the Spirit. We're going to talk about how to, how to do some of these things this morning. We need something more. And that's what the disciples needed. Now, now, if I need to lay a doctrinal foundation for this, because I, I'm, I'm, I understand that we've come from different places. Some of you have maybe had a different church background. Maybe you've never been at a church. And you're like, you know, I've heard a little about the Holy Spirit, and I've heard that, you know, you Pentecostals are real different, and, and you preach this. And, you know, I, I said, I'm, I'm steering away from terms like Pentecostal and Charismatic. I want to be a New Testament church. You know, let's not, let's not get lost in whether we're Pentecostal or not, because we don't even understand what that means. Oh, Pentecostals, I've heard about them. I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) But let's be New Testament. What happened in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit was poured out. People were doing amazing miracles, all under the the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me go doctrinally in case there are some people in here who who, uh, have been taught a little bit differently and understand that the Holy Spirit is still for today, and it's not just for an elite group of people. Jesus talked to the disciples at the end, and he says, He's just talking to the leaven a couple of these times. He says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. So a lot of people kind of go, yes, it was for the disciples. It's for the apostles. They needed something different because they were going to start the church and they needed a jump start. You know, once it started, maybe we don't need that anymore. And that's kind of what some people almost say is we didn't need that same thing. The problem with that theory and that teaching is this. Jesus did speak at one time just to the, the, just to the 11 disciples. But when he, before he ascended, there were more than just the 11 disciples. It talked about the women who were with them and the children. And then, and then in Acts, we find out um, in, in chapter 1 that there was 120 of them all assembled together in one place. Not 11, 120. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So apparently it's not just for the apostles. So for those in here who've ever thought, you know, that's, there's things that are just for the elite if that's the case, then raise your hand and say, I'm elite. Because this promise is for you and for all who are far off who will believe. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. 
There's no reason to think that, that God would say, okay, I, I, I'm going to do this in, in Acts chapter 2 and fill everyone with the Holy Spirit just to jumpstart the church. Oh, I forgot I was going to do it in chapter 8 too, a little later on, and fill some other people in Acts chapter 15. And for multiple years after, keep filling people with the Holy Spirit. By the way, Paul got filled with the Holy Spirit. He wasn't even a, a Christian at that time. And all the Gentile believers who got, filled the Holy, who got saved, baptized, says they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and, and the, the, the apostles had to come and lay their hands on them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, why would you have to possibly have somebody lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit? One, if it's not for me, I mean, that's just silly. And the other is if it's just a natural byproduct of salvation, why would anyone have to pray for it after I've already been baptized and saved? See, I'm challenging our thinking just to go, wait a second, the Bible's very clear about this. Unfortunately, some people, when they teach it, they don't want to talk about those parts. They don't want to say, well, how come the disciples asked for it in Luke chapter 11? How come Jesus said, ask and it'll be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock, door will be open. It says, he says, uh, if you being evil, if a son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a, a serpent? You being evil, if you give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? He didn't say if you get saved, if you believe in me. He said if you ask for the Holy Spirit. So what we see is that, that, that salvation comes through Christ, through faith in Christ, but that Jesus says, I'm going to send you another comforter. The Father's going to send him in my name, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This promise is for everyone, and it's different than what we receive at salvation. Now, hear me. Everyone who's ever called upon the name of the Lord, repented of their sins, is saved. That's what the Bible teaches and how did they do that? The Bible is very clear that it's the Holy Spirit who actually convicted them of sin. So you already had, if you're in here and have called on Jesus to be your Savior, you had the Holy Spirit convict you of sin. That's why, uh, and I was having a great conversation with somebody last night, and, uh, and they said you know, they were Christian, they'd been a, you know, a Christian for a long time, but for a lot of the years when they were saved, they were living with their girlfriend. And unconvicted about it. They just... They just, they went to church and just didn't feel any conviction about it. And one day in church, sitting there, out of kind of nowhere, the conviction of the Holy Spirit sat on this person so heavy, they said their face turned white. And all the people they were with wanted to take him to the hospital. And he says, I'm convicted. And he changed his life. What, he went to church twice a week. What happened? The Holy Spirit came and convicted, because that's his job. It's not our job. It's not our job to convict people. It's the Holy Spirit's job. So we were convicted of our sin in the first place, and we confronted with this sin, and we were wooed to God by the work of the Holy Spirit. We come to that moment where many of us, most of us in this room, I believe, have took that, that moment and looked at ourselves and realized that we were sinners and that we needed a Savior, and that that Savior was Jesus Christ. And we called upon Him to come and save us. And we hopefully repented of our sin. In fact, if you didn't repent of your sin, you have to go back and actually find out if you were saved. Because the Bible says, repent of your sin. Not just, God, I love you and I want to be a Christian. 
I repent of my sin. That means I, I'm going to change my thinking about my sin. I'm not going to walk in my sin any longer. I'm going to change my life, and we can only do that through God's power. The Holy Spirit in John 3 says that unless you are born of the water and of the Spirit, you're not going to be saved. That's like that conversation with Nicodemus, right? Well, how can I be born again? He says, when I'm old, can I enter my mother's womb again? No, no, no. You have to be born of the water and of the Spirit. So everyone who saved us was born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerated you, the Bible says. It was the Holy Spirit who made us new in your life. And, and, and if you've been saved a long time, you may have come so far away, you almost forget that moment. But I want you to go back to that salvation moment right now in your heart and your mind and remember what happened to you. And I believe... Everyone who was saved would say, something changed in my life. You were renewed. You were transformed. Now you still had your struggles, but there was something that took place in your life, and that was Holy Spirit giving you new life. That was happening in the New Testament before the book of Acts 2. But Jesus says, in addition to that Holy Spirit work of being convicted of sin and and coming in and making your life new, I want to give you power power. I want to change your life. And not only that, I think he's also telling us that without it, you're not going to make a difference. You're really not going to do it. You need power from on high. As we continue our journey in the book of Acts, what we're going to find out is we'll, we'll, we'll actually cover the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. and We find all the crazy things that Holy Spirit empowered people can do. I mean, this one's, this one's pretty cool. Speaking in another language, or, or at least being understood in another language as they spoke a, a language that they didn't understand. We see miracles of healing, prophecy. We hear about and read about teachings of having supernatural wisdom, discernment. We see casting out of demons. We see boldness to preach the gospel, even though it could mean death. We see some amazing things in the book of Acts, and we're going to cover these and say, wow. Does God really want to do these things today? I believe he does. And I believe I see them. We've seen them. I think that we're living in a culture, though, that that has so lack of belief, and we need to touch everything that we're quenching what the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you've ever traveled out of this country as a Christian, you hear of crazy things that have happened. You know, people, I mean, I've, I've heard stories in other countries, and I have no reason to doubt some of them. I've even very personally connected with, with some where ra- people being raised from the dead, healings being uh, taking place in other countries. And we go, well, why doesn't it happen here? Is it because we, you know, maybe it's not happening there either? No, I, actually what I believe is that we actually just don't believe God. We have grown to not believe that he wants to do something different. And if there was one thing the enemy would want to do for us is to make us not believe, not believe not believe in that Jesus is who he says he is, not believe that the Holy Spirit wants to be and do what he wants to do. If Jesus were to come up here today, we'd all faint. After we woke up, we'd be pretty impressed. We'd be like, wow, there's Jesus. And I think that whatever Jesus would say, we'd listen. You know, for older people, we'd listen to him more than E.F. Hutton. I mean, honestly, you know, I'm, you know, being, I was thinking about this. What would we do if Jesus came up and said something to us? What if he commanded you to do something? I mean, this is Jesus here. Not, I mean, Jesus, and he commanded you to do something. You don't have to raise your hand. Raise it in your heart. Would you do it? Now, if you're honest with yourself, you're already battling. Going, I don't know. It depends on what he'd say. That's real. 
And you know, be real. Don't, don't be fake with Jesus. So we're, we're, we're battling. Saying, okay, well, I, I hope I would. I, I definitely hope I would. I hope I would do whatever he said. If he said something as simple as, listen, guys, I want you to ask me for the Holy Spirit and wait until you have power. I want you to have the Holy Spirit. In fact, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, to be filled. It's a command. That's, I think I can do that. I'm going to do that. I don't even know what it is. I, don't, I mean, we, we see the Bible a little bit, but I don't know what it is. But Jesus said to do it, so I'm going to do it. One of our problems is that we forget that Jesus said it. He already did say it. We read his words, and we, and we separate it from Jesus actually speaking to us. And we, we don't connect that he's actually said some of the things he said. We need to pray for God's conviction. We need to pray that we would read this Bible and say, these are the words of Jesus. Now, there's things in there that aren't the words of Jesus. I, I love what Pastor John Dunn has always used to say. Pastor Jeff, I'm sure he still does. He says, you know, read the red and pray for power. You know, let's, let's you, know, make, you know, Jesus said, let's really pay special attention to that because Jesus said it to us. But one of the things Jesus said was for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He told us to ask for it and, to ex- and expect it. Now, he did say that when, when the gospel was being preached, it said, repent and be baptized and you will be saved and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there is a progression in this process that in order to have the Holy Spirit baptism or being filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll call it that, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the power of the Holy Spirit in life, that we have to first repent. We have to come to faith in Christ. And, and he did say we need to ask. And it says he's, and, and then we have to receive it. That was the other thing. And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've gotten a lot of emails that all I had to do, apparently, was answer them back and I'd have $50 million in Africa. Anyone else get one of those? <laughs> now, I didn't receive that money. I didn't believe it. I was skeptical, probably with good reason. You know, Are we treating God's gifts and promises the same way? I'm kind of skeptical, God. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to answer this email you might be fishing. I might get a virus. <laughs> the virus is, you're going to want me to do something like live for you and give up this. But we have to receive it, which means we have to step out in faith and say, okay, God, I, know I can't touch the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to ask, and I'm going to be open to what you want to do in me. I remember some times in my life that God was, through the Holy Spirit, was really moving in my life, specifically. And I was, was out on the streets a lot doing... Uh, evangelism and sharing my faith and I'd be talking to somebody and you know, we always had partners and and so this can even be you know could be verified if you talk to the you know the people who were out on the streets with me and be sharing a faith or whatever and God would give me a word like like you know what we would use maybe now that the term he would download something like into my heart and brain and I did can't even understood it about the person I was talking to things that there would be no way I could understand no way that I'd know about them and, and I remember, you know, a number of times saying things, looking at somebody and, and saying, your grandfather's a Christian. And their eyes widened. And you just had a fight with them and you ran out of the house. You live with your grandfather, don't you? And the eyes, tears beginning to well up. You had a fight with them. He's been praying for you for a long time. And you're rebelling against it. He's been telling you about God and you've, you haven't wanted to receive it. Tears just would come. You go, that sounds like a palm reader. You know, was I reading them? 
No, God told me something that there is no way on this green earth that I could possibly know. It was just from, from the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's one thing to go, oh, God saw you and you cried out to him and said, I want more of you. And you go, yeah, every one of us Christians have done that. But specific things that only God could know. But I also remember a time that I felt that same unction, if you will. And I'm like, oh, God's going to do it again. And I began to pour out this story to this person. I'm like, oh, this is, I mean, it was getting really exciting. You know, you just begin to do this and they cry and they get saved. And I mean, just God moves and wow. And so I started doing this and I was really excited that God was about to do a miracle and they were going to get saved. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they actually said, it was a girl, it was a a teenage girl, older teenage girl. And she looked at me and says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Now, I don't know if she was lying and just not wanting to admit that God had just read her mail, but I remember how I felt. I'm like, oh, man, what a dork I am. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Going, I don't, I, what was that? And, and I remember hearing, if you will, the voice of God. And it was one of those times that it was not just a feeling because it was actually a, a message and, and I, I felt, I heard him say, will you trust me again? Because, see, I just made a fool of myself. I mean, who wants to make a fool of yourself, right? And I had that moment of where I was going, I don't know if I'll ever do that again. I mean, you know, that's just silly. And I really felt like God said, will you trust me again? So I, I think that it's very likely that he actually put the wrong message on my heart and said, you need to learn to trust me no matter what. Trust me, even if you're afraid you're going to fail and look like a dork. I, I looked like a dork most of my life, so it wasn't that hard, I guess. Are you willing to look that way? We have to be open to what God wants. As we continue our journey, we're going to learn about God, His working in, in humanity. We're going to learn about the Holy Spirit. But if we don't allow that opportunity to actually be filled with the Holy Spirit... We're just reading stories. See, God didn't give us the Bible so we could just know the stories of, you know, Jonah and, you know, Samson and, and Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And those are great stories. Isn't that a great story? Ah, oh, it just makes my heart feel so good. He gave it to us to say, I want to change your life. I want to do something crazy. And I want you to be my witnesses in this world, and you don't have to do it alone. I want your life to be different than status quo. And if you'll allow me to come into your life, I'll give you power, not for power's sake, but because you need power to make a difference in the world. And if you walk in that power and live a life of repentance, you know, I think repenting, remember, is part of this equation, to live a life of repentance and staying close to me, I'll fill you not just once, but I'll continue to fill me. We're going to read about that in the book of Acts. That you get filled with the Holy Spirit, but he wants to fill you again and again and again. I got gas once, and then I got gas another time, and then I got gas for my car another time, and then I got gas for my car another time. I have to fill up my car all the time. I have to fill up the, fill up the truck twice that often. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit not just once, but I want to be refilled by being in relationship with Him and yielding to Him continually and letting the power come. So the next part is for you and for me. How about that? Do you want to be filled? Do you, want to be, do you want God to do something different in your life maybe than he has in the past? 
Are you willing to be open to say, I have no idea what that's going to look like? Because it was crazy for the disciples and the 120 and then the groups that kept getting filled with the Holy Spirit. But let's, let's stand. There's only one instance in the Bible where they waited to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's the very first instance. When I read the Bible after that, every time they asked for the Holy Spirit and or sometimes had people lay hands on them, it was instantaneous. So today, we're just going to, this is up to you, but we're going to just spend a couple moments in prayer before the kids come in and do their thing. And we're going to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's up to you if you want to do that. There's no special magical thing, and we're not going to put any preconceived notions on it, but Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you. And I think there's a common commonality for many of us in this room that we don't want to just go through motions. We want to be obedient to you. We want to be open to you. God, I am convinced that your word teaches us that you have another expression that you want to do in your church and to fill us with your Holy Spirit. That in that filling that we'll walk in power and boldness and we'll walk in miracles and have gifts available that aren't available without that filling of the Holy Spirit. Today, for me, I pray for a refilling. But God, in here, there's those crying out, fill me with your Holy Spirit, O God. Tired of low living and sight walking. I want to walk in faith. I walk in power. God, forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of our sinful lifestyle if we're still dancing in in, in sin. God, help us to walk strongly in you and for you. Empower us to overcome the evil and the, and the sin in our lives, Holy Spirit, as you would come into our life. And then, God, I'd ask that you would help us to be open to what you want to do and to receive this filling of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would visit each and every one of us. God, give us boldness to step out in faith as you move upon us, maybe in a, in a gift or a miracle power or speaking in tongues. Whatever it is that you want to do, God, but we pray and cry out to you, fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we receive it in the name of Jesus. We receive your spirit in the name of Jesus. And if there's anything that quenches you, quenches the spirit of God in our life, convict us. And let us be people who would repent quickly and be refilled. God, cause us to walk strongly and firmly in you each and every day. Cause us to walk in the places you want us to walk. We thank you that in you we are more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, let our lives today be different than they were yesterday. And let us come often to you to be refilled in the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.